Welcome to Chef It. I'm Lisa. I'm a chef. I live and work in Los Angeles and I cook for the rich and famous. Oh, good morning. I am on the beach. It is 9:10. Wow, how did that happen? Well, I woke up at 8. I have a free day, um, which is great. My client said, take the day. And can you work on a Saturday? And I'm like, yep. I'll crawl through traffic up the coastline on Saturday with and make you some chicken under a brick from a cookbook that I'm a part of. I think the last, maybe it was the last um, podcast or before that, I was like in my latest cookbook. I, I When I heard that, I was cracking up. <laughs> That's like me putting it out to the universe subconsciously. Um, it's basically the only cookbook Actually, no, that's not true. I'm in another cookbook, which is called Savor. But that said, um, this one is featuring me and it is cooking us back together. It's a journey through COVID and it's pretty, um, it's really raw. There was not, so put it this way, a couple of women who are in the food industry in terms of food photography, branding, um, graphic design, They're both artists, but they're both also running the campaigns and social media and photography of restaurants and commercial work and media and all kinds of stuff. They are best friends and they wanted to make a cookbook. Kelly wanted to shoot it, Kelly Bilsma, and Julia Taylor Brown wanted to do graphics. And they want to have something under their belt and have this experience. And I'm not sure how they funded it. I wasn't part of that part of the process. They wanted to make a seasonal magazine slash cookbook that featured a chef and the process of being in COVID. And they invited me to do that. Initially, it was starting in the winter. And this was like during the crazy insurrection and all the shit that was going down. I was testing recipes and trying to think about how the hell I can get, make sure that I'm COVID free and we're all COVID free and that she could come and shoot in my apartment, my home, and um, just capture me cooking these, this, this meal and then having us sit on my doorstep on the stoop and eat as we do in COVID. So insurrection hit and all this other bullshit and surges and blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, um, the cookbook is starting in April. I'm like, that's great. April is definitely a good state of mind for me. Um, I'm May baby. And I'm like, oh, I love April. I'm this, or at least the kickoff of spring. So that meant February. I had like a couple weeks to pull together a quick menu. And then I had to readjust the menu, which I completely rewrote two days before we actually made the cookbook. So, um, in that process of, of doing everything, I had another concept. I was, you know, you go directly to things that, first of all, these are going to be recipes. So the recipes have to work. I can't just put things out there that I've never made or, you know, or just on a whim. And I mean, I wouldn't do that anyways, but I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes when you are in the process of working and cooking in the season, the ideas are fresh and you're doing them and you can just write it down and then make it a few more times. And then you're like, I think this is pretty close to something that, 
that most people could do and I can maybe simplify it or have that kind of approach. But I didn't have that ability because number one, it was winter. Number two, I was at home with my parents in a bubble at that time post-insurrection. So I tried out, um, I think it was January 18th, I tried out a spring lamb dinner on my family. They were into it. I completely hated it. To be honest, my dad wasn't into it. My mom, I didn't realize that they're not big lamb fans. Um, but my sister-in-law was into it. My nephew was totally into it. Um, my brother, who's, who's, you know, he's like, they both, my family has a pretty good palate. So I hated it <laughs> and decided to like switch gears and do something that my clients really like that I love that I thought would be suitable to eat on a doorstep but what also had enough sophistication um, or enough I don't know yeah I guess sophistication to show something about my cooking and approach and to be honest it it wasn't really that well thought out it was mostly it was just like an impulse that added up to a moment in time that made sense. Now, looking back, I would have probably done something even more different, but it is what it is. So I decided to do um, hens under a brick because I grew up eating Cornish game hen as a really special treat. And I was thinking, you know, if I'm going to have people over, I want to have, they're going to each have half of their own little bird. So I did the chicken under a brick, which I think is also a really fun thing to make. Um, it's an experience of cooking. You have to have the brick, and you have to weigh it down. And it's fucking delicious. It's a really delicious thing to have. It's probably one of the best chickens you can have. It's basically a pressed chicken. And along with that, I did another classic sauce. So typically with chicken under a brick, you've got lemon and some rosemary and flavors like that that are just like pan juices that are delicious. You can squeeze the lemon over, and you just serve it in this way. A lot of Italian restaurants serve it. Um... It's um, it's just it's it's pretty much a classic classic dish, and it's nice to know that how to make it at home. But with the hen, there is a darker meat flavor. There's a more nuanced and a different hen flavor. So the hen is, you know, it's a young bird. It's before 23 weeks. So sorry, <laughs> every time I talk about it, even though I'm I do eat meat, I feel somehow like I don't know. Like, I'm just robbing nature of... I mean, we are. Maybe we are. I don't know. I don't want to get into that point of view. But um, the bird has a very delicate and delicious flavor. But it has, like, an intensity of chicken as well. So, um, of hen, I should say. So, what pairs really nicely with that is a, a sort of vinegary base. So some people would use like a balsamic or a champagne vinegar um, or a red wine vinegar. I like the intensity of a red wine vinegar because you're getting a char on the skin and it's a really nice, at least for me, when I think of like the red wine vinegar, which I love so much, it has a real backbone to that, to the flavors that are happening, especially with the rosemary. So I make a... um, a, at the back of the stove, should have called it that. Anyways, back of the stove, um, 
chicken, um, I'm, I'm sorry, um, vinegar and rosemary dipping broth so that you get some of this broth which you pour over the chicken after it's roasted. You pour over the toasted sourdough bread salad that's roasted post chicken in the, in the burning hot skillet in the oven for like 12 minutes. And you just dip it all in. And you're just dipping in like these big, chunky, crusty, fatty, sourdough, like soft in the center, crispy on the outside, um, bits of bread into the vinegar sauce. And you're just, you're just dipping this little bird, like these little wings and this little breast into the sauce and just noshing. I mean, you can eat that on the doorstep. It's so simple. Um, and I, I made a bunch of side dishes to go with that too. One that I'm not like, I think it's just artichokes with white asparagus. I don't even know why I was doing that. To be honest, I should have kept the white asparagus raw as my friend Chris does. But by the way, he's a cinematographer, not a chef. But he, he's the one who always serves white asparagus. And I have to tell you, it's something about eating it at his house is always so special. Hmm. So that was that had me thinking about spring but I was trying to grab spring during winter and I have a lot of respect for people writing cookbooks in the middle of um, other seasons and particularly for a very good friend of mine an amazing chef Fiona Tam Kennedy Fiona Kennedy she goes by um, is now at the spice lab I believe and she is their spice master and she's so extraordinary but what I love about what Fiona does um, is that she's, well, she's a recipe developer, professional. So outside of being a professional chef, she wrote for many magazines and did recipe development of all, I mean, everything from vegetarian times to whatever. And she's basically out of season, you know, trying to create in season reality. And it's, it's a challenge. I really enjoy that challenge. I think it's really fun. It makes you see yourself as a chef and your abilities. Um, I thought it was interesting that there were moments where I could really articulate the season and I was like, yeah, this is what I do. And then there were moments where I really could not get there. I don't know why. And I mean, clearly I can articulate what would be expected in the season, but I really wanted something. I really wanted, well, again, it's personal, right? It's supposed to be coming from my kitchen. So I think I hit some targets. And weirdly enough, the target that I really think I nailed was the opening cocktail. (laughs) It so exemplifies my 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 um my taste and my heritage um and just like my vibe so it's base it's a citrus apricot shandy and it's really delicious so it's also on ice which is something that I'm not sure if I put that in the book I can't remember now I wrote that recipe I wrote the recipes in one day I was actually bragging about it I was like hey I just sat down and did it it flowed and then I went back and looked at the book our friend um Kelly's husband helped um, edit it and I was like wow I could have really gone over this like a hundred more times 
Hence my best friend who's an actual editor. God, I should have asked her. Anyhow, like she's not busy enough to be like helping help, helping us out. Um, the Shandy is a lemonata. So um, either a citrus lemonata or, you know, of um, Aranciata. I'm, of course, I'm butchering this. Sorry it, to my Italian friends, which is like a blood orange soda um, or either a Clementina, the Clementine, which is a tangerine soda or just the, the lemon soda, which is delicious, or all of them, whatever, make your own batch. I suggest using some sort of like apricot puree, puree, whatever. Um, apricots are in season, believe it or not, in spring. And what's really nice is you just, you can just puree them and you can also buy like some sort of like apricot um, juice, which is also available. And you just add a little touch to a hazy IPA. So I use St. Archer's Classic Hazy IPA. So you're filling up the glass with um, St. Archer's and then you're topping it off with whatever citrus um, fizzy drink you have. So you've got the sweetness and then just a little bit of the apricot puree and you don't even really need that and then you're drop you've got this over like a big block of a big ice cube whiskey ice cube or I mean you don't have to have it on the rocks it's great it's nice and icy cold and just like an icy glass um one of the things that I like about this drink is that the shandy first of all it it kind of is in two spaces it reminds me of a snake bike black and that is a huge cocktail at least in my mind it's probably the only real cocktail I had at the age of like 19 um went to did a program abroad in London and that was my drink I mean I was so proud to have a drink (laughs) I mean that's just the way it rolls right you're like I'll have a shandy I started with that and then I went to snake bites and yeah no wonder I was like sick in the bushes but um that was my drink which is basically beer and cider, which is a little bit sweet, and a hit of black currant on top, a little black currant liqueur. God, it sounds horrifying as I'm saying it. To be like 19 and, and drinking those at the bar, wow, that's what we did. I could do maybe one of those now. This shandy's a little bit lighter. Um, it's it's a great way to kick off a meal and it's refreshing which is the most important thing and I have friends that have been making the cocktail so that's kind of cool too um what else is on the menu the strawberry granita that brought London right back to me too it's a play on the river cafes strawberry sorbet which is one of the most astounding recipes they use an entire lemon in their strawberry sorbet it is absolutely surprising and delicious and in fact um, the guy who not Shake Shack I always forget the chef's name it's probably a good idea Um, (laughs) just kidding now I really can't say who it is anyways a really well-known chef in New York was in my kitchen a couple years ago and I asked him to try this strawberry sorbet and he was like no that's okay I'm you know I said no Come on, you're like a big time chef. You're standing in my kitchen. Would you please taste this? Like, have some manners. 
he's like, well, you know, I'm known for my sorbets. I'm, I was a pastry chef. And I said, I know. Just relax. Everybody knows who you are. So he has a taste. And he's like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, it's strawberry sorbet. I didn't dare tell him it was from River Cafe recipe. Because he didn't deserve that. But he was like, wow. What's going on with this? And I'm like, lots of lemon. There's a lot of lemon back in there. And strawberries were good, but not that amazing. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't using, like, the most expensive, you know, the, the like, I wasn't using, like, Marais de Bois from Harry's Berries or anything like that. They were good strawberries. I mean, it was summer, but... Um, so I took that into a simple, fun home version that you could make in your freezer box with, like, your kids. Like, you just need, like, one of those Pyrex dishes... All you need is a fork, and you just, every half an hour, scrape it to death. Just, you know, keep an eye on it. And then by the time your meal's ready, you have this fluffy granita. And I left it just a little bit chunky, so you can get little bits of lemon peel and um, and strawberry. Not too much. You don't, you still want it to be like a, 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 I mean, it's a granita, but you don't want it to be too rough. And then the fun thing is to either serve that with a soft whipped cream, which is actually my favorite. I don't know why I didn't just go straight forward with that. But instead, I made a lemon meringue. So a, like, little lemon meringue peaks. And this is where it got a little chefed out. I had this vision because I'd been hooked on this lemon meringue all winter. And then when I was, I think of Easter, I think of lemon meringue pie. I really just wanted to make something that felt like that. So I um, had been making just mounds of beautiful meringue with like a big spoon and then blistering it in the broiler of an oven. And it's just kind of a cool thing to do. So I made mini ones and we ended up, and while we were shooting the book, just to to explain like the, the personal small sizes of what I was doing, while we were shooting the book, you know, this all just happened in real time. It's kind of like my dinner last night. I'm doing this like Mexican feast and I've got to run around the kitchen and find all the right bowls for salsa. I have to do make a makeshift, you know, beautiful Hermes bowl, linen wrapped tortillas. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, I don't really, I'm still learning this space. And even though I'm in my own home, I'm still like kind of learning this menu and fun ways that we can do things. And we're just kind of like, I'm like, hey, should I put it in these cool little vintage glasses? Yeah, let's do that. They look like individual ice cream cups. Gorgeous. Okay. Should I just mound like little small tops? Let's do it. So next thing you know, she's shooting me laying on the ground in my, you know, bottom oven broiler, broiling off little meringue hats to top off these little beautiful, delicate, frosty, you know, strawberry-colored cups of granita. And it was fun. I mean, like, the whole goal of this book was to capture this moment in time. I mean, I didn't plan what I was going to wear. I wore pink jeans both days because we shot two days in a row. That was the most of the planning that happened. But honestly, I wore those jeans because I'm really fat, right? because of COVID. I mean, I've spent a year eating Fritos on my couch. I mean, let's be fucking real. Eating like lint chocolate bars when I could afford it. So, I mean, 
It's I'm not I'm at probably the lowest point of um <laughs> of beauty in my life. But at the same time, I kind of feel like the best I've ever felt and that's the real beauty, right? Was not focusing on that. The real beauty was just being with people and doing a project and you know, enjoying what you're doing and doing it well and doing it with friends and surviving COVID and laughing your asses off on a doorstep. I mean, it was just, there's so many hilarious moments in the book. Um, it was fun. It was art. It was like when people say that life is art, this was more that. This was more of that. Not just that, you know to live in love is, is an art, is the art of life. Um, this was more like, this was actual art to live in love. And I really feel blessed that I got to do this project and now have a, a lovely stack of these cookbooks. Um, one that's in the beastly ball this weekend. So if you guys are around, don't forget, get to beastly ball. That's the LA zoo is doing a big fundraiser virtual fundraiser last year raised a million dollars for um for those who again this is like science um animals the planet climate change the zoo isn't just about visiting the zoo but it's keeping an interest in wildlife and protecting wildlife so um i talk about this as if that's something that i do regularly i actually don't my friend is um is part uh, is a is a conservator of wildlife and is is um, involved in this beastly ball where you will find my beastly ball granola and my cookbook up for um, for um, bidding. So you'll see it there on this coming Saturday, and you'll also see that I have a new project. I'm just a project person. If I can do a project, I will do a project. Um, I think I'll do that on my next post because it's getting, helicopters are coming. It's like mash out here with China Beach. Kind of feeling a little China Beach. I feel like Dana, whatever that actress was in China Beach. God, I love that. It's such a great show. Why doesn't Netflix pick that up? If you haven't seen China Beach, see China Beach. The music's amazing. It's all from the 60s. It's a female version of MASH. I love it. But MASH is one of my favorite TV shows of all time. And I still, I'm still in love with Alden Alda. And Alan Alda, when I first moved here, I was at the Whole Foods near Beverly Hills, actually in Westwood. I was working and I heard his voice and I thought I was going to lose my mind. I was like, are you kidding me? And right in front of me is Alan Alda buying like a loaf of bread and some avocados and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, I love MASH. And he's like, so do I. He's like, gave, gave me the best career ever. And I, you know, like he said it really funny. I said, no, I really love MASH and you're my, you're my favorite actor. I said, I think like um, if, I if I could come back as a man, I would come back as Alan Alda. I don't even know why I say this weird shit. I think we all act weird around famous people. And he said, really? <laughs> I said, yes. Um, instead of telling him that I had like the hugest crush on him when I was like 10. 
Anyhow, I am looking in the direction of where MASH was filmed. I'm looking over to Santa Monica Mountains, and right out there, there is a camp, a Boy Scout camp. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it, but right off the McGrath Camp, McGrath Ranch, or something like that, that's where they film MASH. Um, Yep. Anyhow, I just went off on a tangent. I'm really hungry. I'm going to get off the beach. I have like 2% left on my phone. The waves are extraordinary. I think I have sand in my hair. And um, I'm going to go and do a... I'm going to go watch a YouTube of China Beach and just be lazy for like a few minutes. All right. Over and out, guys. Um, Till next time, we'll be talking about broccoli. Okay. Over and out. Bye.